0: and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him and he came to his own and his those who were his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become the children of god even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth john testified about him and cried out saying this was he of whom i said He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath explained him. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Before we look into the word, let's ask the Spirit for guidance and wisdom. Father, we come because we want to know your truth, and we have no ability in ourselves to understand it or know it unless you give us the help and the aid. Thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to teach us all truth and to reveal the glories of Christ to us. And I pray this morning as we study and look at your word, as we look at the truth that is in it, our hearts might rejoice in our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I kind of wrestled this week as to where to start. And uh, I knew all of you will remember perfectly what I said the last time I was here. (laughs) And uh, so uh, I thought, well, I think I'll start from the beginning, right from the beginning, because some of you weren't here, and, uh, and the rest of you, even though your memories are perfect, you may have forgotten something. So let me do a little review. I pointed out that in the first five verses of the Gospel of John, most of your Bibles like mine uh, has the title The Deity of Jesus Christ. And uh, that's not a good title. It's a bad title. Because the first five verses deal with the eternity of Jesus Christ not the deity of Jesus Christ and what John does in these first five verses he establishes the eternity of Jesus Christ because without eternity there is no deity and so he establishes the eternity of Jesus Christ and then through his gospel, he continues to communicate the deity of Jesus Christ built on the fact of the eternity of Jesus Christ. Now, does that make sense? <laughs> and uh, that's what John does here. And when we looked at it the last time, I pointed out that John uses a verb here that is not used very often in the New Testament. Uh, He uses it mostly. Paul uses it a few times. But uh, it's a verb that expresses something that was continually always going on in the past. It, It never ceased in the past. And therefore, what he's talking about is something that was always true in the past. And if you... Look at the terminology here. It starts off with that phrase, in the beginning. Where did we hear that first phrase first? In the beginning <laughs> of the book. <laughs> yeah, it's in Genesis, in the beginning. So he's talking about the point at which all things were created. And he uses that term there, and, and it's important as we will look at it and see in a moment. The word was, it says in the beginning was, it comes from a root word in the original, which means to be or to exist. To be or to exist. And then the word word, (laughs) the word word, or logos, as many of you know the Greek word, really means intelligent communication. That's the idea behind the word, intelligent communication. So when it talks about Jesus being the Word, he's being the intelligent communication of God, and that is all based on his eternity. So he can be the intelligent communicator of God. We communicate God in the church to each other and from the pulpit, but we can't do it from the eternal relationship that Jesus could do it because he was with God. And we'll see that. That takes me to the definition of the next term, with in the original, it has the idea of being face-to-face with. In other words, an intimate relationship. There was an intimate relationship between the father and the son. They were face-to-face. And we'll see, they were face-to-face in all eternity. And, and that is important. So, let me just read a literal translation of verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> and I'll stop at one, one or two points maybe and make a comment, but uh, try, I'll try not to. <clears throat> uh, it says, When all things were created, the intelligent communication of God always continued to exist. Now, did you get that? When everything was made, Jesus always existed. And he says, also, the intelligent communication of God always continued existing face to face with God. There was never a time that Jesus was not in intimate communion with the Father. And let me put this little caveat in there. Even when he was on earth, he was always walking in intimate communication with the Father. That's why he said, I don't say anything of myself. I only say what the Father told me to say. I only do what the Father told me to do. He had intimate communication with the Father in his total existence, even as a man. And it it says, also the intelligent communication always continued to exist. And it just has the word God. He always existed, God. There was never a time when Jesus Christ was not God. He was always God. And he was eternally God. And I think it's important, uh, especially to be aware of this, in light of all the false teaching that goes on, and especially the teaching of the cults in the day we live. He always existed God. And notice there's no article, a God, because he is the only God. There is no the, because if there was the word the in there, then he would be existing as God alone. And there would be no triune God, you see. And so John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, doesn't put an article in there. All he says is he existed God. That's what he was. And he never... Never was not God. When they said this one, and in the original that's a prophetic pronoun, this one, the word, always continued existing face to face with God when all things were created. So he takes us back again to the beginning and creation. And he says that whenever the creation was made, he was always existing face to face to God, with God. And that's why we could have that great text in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God, in the beginning God. Who was the God who created? Well, we'll see in a minute. It, it, It will tell us. He says, all things had come into existence through him. Also, apart from him, not one thing that existed was and does exist. In other words, he's saying everything that existed in the past and that is existing now exists through him. He's the source of all life and everything. That's pretty neat, isn't it? He is, he is the one that makes everything exists that exists. And when he says, David, your time ex- of existence is over, it will be finished. You see, he, he controls existence. It says, in the sphere of him, uh, uh, always continued existing life. And uh, we forget that Jesus said to Martha, I am what? The resurrection and life. It always that, That's who he is. He is life. He always has been life. And... It says, and also the life also continued existing the light of men. Any that believed on God believed through Jesus Christ, whether they were Old Testament or new. They didn't know and understand the things of Christ, but it is through him as the light they understood the truth and it's like paul says but god has now revealed it completely to us they looked for it we got it and that that's pretty neat and uh he says he also also the light shines in the sphere of and i got the word unhappiness because that's what the word darkness really means in the original unhappiness uh, uh, or ruin. It says, and the unhappiness did not obtain it or take it. People in the darkness rather stay in the darkness than come to the light who is Jesus Christ. So they don't take it. So we see in those first five verses, that Jesus always existed. He always existed face to face with God. He always existed as God. He always existed as the Creator. He always existed as the light and the life for men. And we have to understand what a great Savior we have. He is so wonderful. As we think of his majesty and his authority and his eternity. He always was what he is today. He never changed. And he will always be the same. We will see him. We will see him who is all these things. So we have the whole idea here of the eternity of Christ. Or the uh, infinity of Christ. And I think it's important for us to understand that what John is trying to do is make the point that I'm going to be talking about the deity of Christ. But first, I want you to understand there is no deity without infinity or eternity. It has to be. You can't become a god You can become a son of God, but you can't become God. And uh, again, we're being taught this by many of our cults. Well, I'm going to move on. And before I move on to verse 6, let me just give you an outline of verses uh, of the flow of thought through. Uh, verses 6 through 36 verses 6 through 36 (coughs) verses 6 to 8 speak of John the Baptist and it's dealing with John the Baptist as we'll see verse 9 and 10 is speaking of Christ verses 11 through 13 Speaks of the responses to Christ. How people respond to Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Deals with the incarnation. And character of Christ. And. uh, I mentioned that the last time it was up that. Christmas time that, that. People say that John. Does not talk about the incarnation he packs it into one verse and it's packed and the truth there is is wonderful and then verse 15 deals with John the Baptist and then verses 16 through 18 speak of the blessings of knowing Christ uh, that will be a great thing. It speaks of the blessings of knowing Christ. And then verses 19 through 36 continues on and explains about John the Baptist. So, let's, let's begin then by looking at verse 6. I've just entitled this, The Man. The Man. John starts this in the original. It, it's a little more emphatic. It, it, it says, if you translate the original, it says, A man came into existence. And all I've just explained about the eternity of Christ, John, as if just to put an exclamation mark, says, But this man came into existence. He wasn't eternal. He came into existence. Christ didn't come into existence. He always was. But this man came into existence. So that that was his coming. And his name was John. And... uh, I lost a page in my notes here, but that's okay. I'll tell you anyway. John had a special birth. You see, he was he was not born like we would expect, and uh, I, I. I think sometimes we forget that John, in his birth, was specially chosen and given by God. He was not only given, his father, Zacharias, was a priest. His mother, uh, Elizabeth, was a Levite. That is, she was in the family of Levi, and she had a problem, it says. It says she had a problem. What was the problem? She was barren. She couldn't have children. And then you remember the story in Luke chapter 1. It says that an angel came to Zacharias when he was functioning and the as a priest presenting the the incense offering to God, and he, he got all uptight. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you'd feel if an angel came in, but uh, I, I would feel a little bit uptight. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, the angel said to them. Your wife's going to have a son. And so what was. What was. Zachariah's. Reply. He said. That can't be. It's impossible. He said. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. What, what, What did the angel say? Okay. If you don't believe me i'm going to make you dumb you won't be able to speak and so we we find that the child came and it says in that passage uh, uh in luke that you shall call his name john he was even given the name the the, the name john is, is very interesting it, it it's, has the idea of someone who is being graciously treated. And what it's referring to is that God has graciously treated Elizabeth and Zacharias. By the way, there are not many people that are commented on in the Old Testament like Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says, it says they were righteous people obeying every command of God, and it says God was pleased with them. I, Read that the other day, and I said, uh, Lord, I hope you're pleased with me. And then I remembered, He is. He's pleased with me and His Son. He's pleased with me and His Son, and all His Son has done for me. And so we have this uh, 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 promise, and then there's another promise that was made, and it says, he will be filled with the holy spirit from his birth well wow. how did that happen how did that how did he become filled with the holy spirit and if if you if you read the story of mary It says Mary was told by the angel that she would bear a son as a virgin. And soon as she got the news and was told that her cousin Elizabeth in her old age was going to bear a child. What was the first thing she did? So she ran quickly to Elizabeth. She ran quickly to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth... when she she greeted Elizabeth, it says the child jumped in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist was in his mother's womb who was filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was in him from the beginning. So John came into existence by the hand of God, and that leads to the second thing here and that is that he was chosen by God for the task that he was to do. It says there having been sent forth, this is a literal translation, having been sent forth from the side of god he had a special task to do he was sent forth from god to do a special task and i think we have to and i i I think we often think okay there's certain people that are Send with some are evangelists and some are pastors and some are teachers, but the rest of us were just, yeah. You know. But you're important. No matter what you're doing or how you're doing it, you're important because you're just like John. You have been selected and you have been born again of the Spirit of God. And because you're born again of the Spirit of God, you have been gifted by God. It says in Ephesians 4 that he, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And all of us who have been led out of the captivity of Satan into the liberty of Jesus Christ, have a gift that we have to function in the body with. And that's why we're called a body. Have you ever broken, broken your arm or your leg? Have you ever got something in your eye so you can't see? When a part of the body isn't working and functioning, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? And, uh, for example, if some of those vital parts stop working, like your bladder or your heart or your kidneys, boy, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So we're all important in the body of Christ. And God has given us a part that we should, uh, we should be part of. And I think it's important that we understand we are chosen of God to be part of the body of God. In Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. It says, Ephesians 4:15 and 16, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. By the way, it's interesting that that phrase is not a statement, it's a command in the original. Uh, I was thinking about this the other night, and I was thinking about when I was, oh, about 10 years old, and... Uh, I was acting like a two year old and my father said why don't you grow up and and this is what God's saying to us grow up grow up don't don't be like an infant grow up grow up and we need to grow up in Jesus Christ as we'll see he says in all aspects in everything all things into him that's where our growing up is into Christ who is the head, even Christ, from whom or out of whom the whole body being fitted. That phrase being fitted is an interesting one. It, it, it has the idea in the original of being joined together, something that is being joined together. And we, we are part of the body and God is joining us together. So if you're a part of Bowmanville Baptist, whether you're a member or not, but you're a faithful part of this church, you are fitted by God into the body to function where God wants you to function. And it's, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to be part of something, not to be part of, nothing we're part of something and god has put us there and he says uh, we are we are being made to join together and held together by or through what every joint supplies so everybody is vital everybody is vital in the body of Christ. Every joint supplies something. I have a trouble with my one finger here. You don't see me clenching my fist because sometimes when I do it, it doesn't open up anymore. And, 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 and something's not, not uh, working together with the rest of the body here. You see? And the body has to function in all parts even in the little parts, the parts we don't think of, but we're all an important part of the body of Christ. That's what he's telling us here. He says, according to the proper working, or that could be translated uh, active working, of each individual part, that is everyone, Causes the growing or is being made to increase of the body. We are all an important part of the body. Have you ever felt like when you come to church, you're a nobody? You just come, you know. I come, there you go. You're somebody. You're somebody. Because you're a functioning part of the body of Christ here at Bowmanville Baptist Church. And and this is this is something that, that is great. He said according to the active working of each individual part that causes the growth is and it's being uh, we're being made to increase of the body and the increase that goes on is a spiritual increase isn't that wonderful when we work together as a body we're not all preaching we're not but we're helping each other to grow and increase as we are actively involved in the body of christ and so he says every individual part helps the increase for the building up of itself the body in the sphere of love. Don't do this, but have you ever thought of turning around and saying to your neighbor, I love you. (laughs) See, if we have the love of God in our hearts, that's the way we should feel of everybody around us. I love you. Because you're part of me, And you're important to me. And he says. It's all in love. So. God's spiritual plan. Then is that each one of us. He has. For each one of us. He has set. An eternal plan. And function for us. As believers. Now. As Pastor Tony has been teaching. uh, For those of you who haven't been in a prayer meeting. Uh, This is is spiritual preparation, not the preparation of every individual thing in our life, as Pastor Tony said, uh, as to what kind of baloney we should buy or what kind of ice cream we should buy or whatever. God has a spiritual plan for us. That's what he's talking about. And spiritual plan is a plan that affects the whole body of Christ because of our love for one another. And it grows from there. God said to Jeremiah, and I think this is true of all of us in a different sense, but God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah speaking, Saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I want you to keep that phrase in mind. Because it's vital in the teaching of Christ. We'll come to it maybe a a, a little later. He says, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I think in the King James, it's, I ordained you. I ordained you. Uh, I remember Dr. Joel Gregory uh, uh, said, he says, the only ordination I believe in is, is, is the divine ordination before we are born. God's, God ordains us all to a certain plan. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, we're not all Jeremiah's. We're not prophets to the nations. But God has appointed us to serve him in his body and in the world we live in. And this is vital and important. So he was chosen. We are chosen. We have been chosen out of the world to become sons of God. And we must serve as sons of God. The third thing I want you to look at about uh, John the Baptist is not, not only the fact that he was also chosen, but his character. And this one is, to me, always interesting. It says, it says in, in uh, Luke, chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a man named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. That, that's the priestly division in the Old Testament. And he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of God. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And then it says, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service, God, before God in excuse me, his priestly office. It says, and the whole multitude of people were in prayer at the hour of the incense offering, which he was working on. And uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in to the right of the altar of incense Zacharias was troubled, and he saw the angel, of, and f- fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been answered. In other words, they had been praying for a child, and he said, now you're going to get it. He says, uh, For your petition and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And then notice it says, and you will call him John. What does the word John mean? It really means Jehovah has been gracious. And this was true in two senses. Jehovah was gracious to Zacharias and Elizabeth by giving them a son. But Jehovah was gracious in that he sent uh, someone to come and announce Jesus Christ and show Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing. The, the, the man, he came from God. He had a special mission to proclaim Christ. What was his mission? Let me give you a couple points here and then we'll rest. First of all, his mission was to be a proclaimer. His position was to be a proclaimer. It says, this one, meaning John the Baptist, had come for a witness. That's what his job was. He came for a witness. That, that word witness, by the way, could be translated certifier. Someone who certifies that this is a true fact. And that was what John was doing. He was certifying the fact that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who was going to take the sin away the, the, the sin of the world. And so he was a proclaimer. And in one sense, that's all of our jobs, isn't it? Ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. So... We are to be proclaimers like John the Baptist. And look at his proclamation. It says to be a witness regarding the light or a certification of the truth of the light. That's with a capital L, by the way. Light referring to Jesus Christ. He says you are to witness to Jesus Christ. That's what your job is. His job was to witness to Jesus Christ. What is our job? Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Unto me. And so our job is to be witnesses to Christ. By our life, but more by our speech. By our speech. Uh, I'll mention John's character in a moment, but uh that 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 was uh, something else that was his proclamation, and then we'll just quickly look at his person and then i'll close and i'll kind of digress here because John was no ordinary preacher uh I think if John came to Boomerville Baptist Church and said, I want to be your pastor, and you looked at him, you said, forget it. It says, it says in Mark 1.6, John was clothed with a cam- camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. Must have been a sweet guy, he ate honey. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, he, he was uh, quite the fellow. And then if you go down to verse 14, it says, speaking to Zacharias, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. That means he was a Nazarite. He was set apart as an Azrite, and that meant, just like Samson, he wouldn't have his hair cut. He wouldn't cut his beard or anything else. So can you imagine, after 20 or 25 years of coming out of the desert with just this garb on, and never having a haircut, not even a trim, or a beard trim, and said, okay, I've come out now. I I want to I want to be your pastor. Uh, forget it, forget it. You know uh, uh, that that's quite uh, uh, an interesting thing. But remember, John had something that is our privilege to have in a different way. He spent. 20 to 25 years in the college of the Holy Spirit in the desert. It says that he grew and he went into the desert and he lived in the desert until the time that he came out and proclaimed. And as I looked at that, I had to ask myself, Do you have a desert where you get away and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you from His Word? Is that important in your life or are the other things that you want to get done important in your life? You see, those of us who have been called to be a proclaimer also need the education of the Holy Spirit. We need to be taught by the Spirit. And the Spirit needs to control us in our hearts and life. And that's why Paul says to the Galatians, uh, you can't walk in the flesh, you have to walk in the Spirit because The flesh is contrary to the Spirit. And we as believers live in the Spirit. And so we have the wonderful privilege that John the Baptist didn't have. We have the written Word of God. And we have the Holy Spirit as He did dwelling within us. And with the Word and the Spirit, we are the people who can become the powerful, positive proclaimers of the Word of God. But it's always, it's always done not out of duty, but out of the Spirit's work in our heart to, as he points us to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, and when he comes, he will glorify me he will glorify me and so we we have this great great hope that we we may not be an azrite we may not be all of this but and I'll close with this we have the greatest privilege of all he has given us authority to become the sons of god Isn't that wonderful? Proclaimers as sons. We proclaim our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and God the Spirit in this world. And God has blessed us with that privilege. What a a great thing. And here we are. Here we are. Bowmanville Baptist Church. A bunch of proclaimers who have the Spirit, and the life of Christ in us, and who are being conformed to the image of Christ. First, and foremost, in your own personal life and devotions. And then secondly, as we meet together here and are fed the truth of the Word of God, as Pastor Tony teaches us out of God's Word. Isn't that wonderful? What a a wonderful blessing we have as the people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you have called us, you have equipped us, and you have given us a commission so that we can go out and serve you to the glory of your name. Help us, help us not to fall asleep at the switch but to, with all the love you pour into our hearts, with all the grace that you pour upon us, speak the truth in love so that people might know the grace of God. Thank you for what you're doing and what you will do in our lives to the glory of your name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.